I want to know everything there is to know about you. I am going to introduce me. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Don't I deserve love? Somebody has to like me best. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Don't Know Her podcast. I'm Michael. And I am Scott. And we are here today to celebrate a couple of dames. Um, one who's going to be the subject of today's episode, and the other is our very own Michael, who's celebrating his birthday, maybe today, maybe sometime around today, but for the sake of you all listening at home, this is Michael's birthday, and this is his episode in celebration of a star he adores. So Michael, I'll let you tell us about the other dame in our lives today. Well, yes, I feel like I needed a birthday episode to be able to talk about this person because she is so established. I mean, she may not be as famous as uh, or as, I guess, cast in everything as an Olivia Coleman or an Emma Thompson. Um, but we are talking about maybe the Dame of Dames, like of, oh. of her contemporaries. I mean, I'd put place her even higher than the Dame of Dames. I'd put her as like one of the best actors of her generation she's an icon she's a mother (laughs) (laughs) it is Kristen scott thomas Ah. and i refuse refuse and through this episode i'm going to have to use all those names because it seems weird to me to just call her Kristen, because she feels like someone that if i did that she'd suddenly be beside me and like push me out a window or something and i love it like i want her to step on me i have a friend actually who is a listener and i hope she doesn't mind me telling the story but her uh, kristen scott thomas's dog bit my friend and she brings it up every so often as if it's a negative thing and i'm like no you've been touched by god (laughs) Uh, yeah wow i hope kristen um came to her rescue I I don't think so. I th- I oh. I don't think that rest of that story is appropriate. But to to tell on on the podcast. But let's just say no. I don't think Kristen Scott Thomas cared uh, less about um, her dog biting someone. Great. Um, and if my birthday present is to be bitten by Kristen Scott Thomas's dog, so be it. That that could be nice. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, te- I've just gushed about her in a rambly way. What what are your feelings and thoughts and desires <laughs> around mm. Kristen mm. Scott Thomas? Um, indifferent? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I think Kristen's fabulous. I there's just a real allure to her, and I feel like she does stand up as a unique presence amongst the dames, you know, you're going to call her the dame of dames, then she she certainly has a, a command akin to some of the others, but there is something about her, and I think you've kind of described that in, in how you've relayed your feelings about Kristen. But someone I've certainly always enjoyed watching, someone who has been in films as long as I remember watching films, um, maybe because of certain co-stars she works with and the sort of films that I would watch. Uh, and also having just been a staple of, um, well, not just British cinema, you know, we're going to talk about, um, uh, touch upon certainly her work within French cinema, but it has been a staple of British cinema, certainly during 
my lifetime. So mm-hmm. I'm delighted to talk about her, and I was delighted to rewatch some of these films that we're going to focus on specifically. So thanks. It's a birthday gift for us both. Yes, and and to. to... I think to everybody, (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, this is how much like I think she is someone who I think is taken for granted often. Like in many ways, I guess she's a younger version of a Maggie Smith in a way, or she's a more sort of stoic or, you know, upper class version of an Emma Thompson or I, you know, these are things that I've heard other people say, and I'm here to tell you. That's not correct. <laughs> well, it's not not correct. But she, to me, she's like a mixture of like a Celia Johnson, like a very old fashioned sort of movie, st- British movie star. She has all of this like stillness, but has all this emotion at the same time. And she can play that as the lead, as supporting, as, you know, a wife, as a murderer, as a, you know, a socialite, as a board housewife. As, as all of these wonderful, wonderful things that we um, have got to see her as. And I yeah. just think she has this, like, glamour but relatability, which just makes me love her. You know, I've seen so many of the films in her career, which we're not even going to talk about. It may not even be in the overview list of because that's how interested I was with her at a time. I still am, obviously, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm really happy. And she always threatens, like, in the last few years, that she's going to step away. Always. Because, you know, there's not the roles and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, please, please, unless you're doing that to get roles, <laughs> stop saying that, because that's very <laughs> upsetting for my little um, anxious heart. Yes. Oh, no, she's fascinating. And I think something else to speak to her, well, you say glamour, relatability, that's very interesting. Certainly glamorous... Um, I find her kind of commanding and precise and, and maybe that leans into her background. She's a military child, basically. Um, and maybe that just feeds into her. I mean, just how she comes across on screen. She's very upright um, and sort of there's a directness to her, even in softer roles. There's something precise and direct and just on it with her which i think is quite unique to her on screen so she's a she's a good one yeah it's funny i wonder if she's ever played anyone really chaotic i i don't think so but uh maybe chaotic in terms of like emotionally inside but she is holding it all together until moments which are glorious where it falls apart yeah, mm. I, I mean, I cannot wait. I don't know why I'm delaying everything by talking about how amazing she is, because I cannot wait to like talk about the actual moments in the films that we've chosen to focus on. Great. Because it's just like, oh, it's just so perfect how she's utilized. And I just, I just hope people have a new appreciation for Christmas Scott Thomas. That's all I want for my birthday. Okay, then, then I hope we <laughs> That and world peace. Okay. so i want the re the re the first world problem enjoy christmas scott thomas more and the you know the proper problem just have world peace okay then i hope we can achieve such a thing for you mm. on this special special day amazing all right let's jump in then 
to Kristen Scott Thomas and start having a little run through of her life and career to get us towards those special movie moments that we're going to stop along the way and touch upon. So, Kristen Scott Thomas was born on May the 20th, 1960, in Redruth in Cornwall. Her mother, Deborah, studied drama until she met Kristen's father, who was a pilot for the Royal Navy. However, very tragically, sadly, and I, I did not know this about her before, he died in a flying accident when she was only five years old. She has three siblings, including the actress Serena Scott Thomas. She's also the granddaughter of William Scott Thomas, who was a naval commander, and is also the great-niece of the iconic polar explorer Robert Falcon Scott, a.k.a. Scott of the Antarctic. So many, many, many a connection going on already. And then... Nepo baby. Yeah, Nepo baby, indeed, by, by a strange, <laughs> in a strange way, not the usual sort of way. Yeah, 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 we, she's, she's not really... She's not at all. Um, But let's talk about awful coincidences. So, she then grew up in Dorset. That's where her mother remarried another naval pilot who would also die in a flying accident when she was only 12. So, my goodness, quite a... A tragic, like, oh, we shouldn't be giggling. Tragic, tragic. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only giggling because I have, I've like built up this whole episode to be like, I'm so excited to get into this. And, and now we're just, we're just talking, talking about... about her, her traumatic childhood. Um, this is why she's probably never done a Desert Island Discs. Like I would, if I was her, I wouldn't be talking about this shit. Perhaps. But I mean, maybe she has, sorry. I, yeah, I know. I feel like she maybe has actually. Now that, now that you say that, I think she might have. Hmm. However, she um, maybe that's what led her on the adventure she ended up having. But anyway, we'll rewind for just a moment and then we'll get there. So, she studied at Cheltenham Ladies College and St Anthony's Lewiston in Sherburne, Dorset. She left school in 1978 and moved to Hampstead in London and started work in a department store. How glam. The glamour begins. She began her training to become a drama teacher at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. She requested, however, to switch her degree to acting after one year, but was refused. What a mistake they made, though, because after a year at Central and being able to speak French fluently, she would then move to Paris to become an au pair while studying acting at the École Nationale Supérieure des Arts et Techniques du Théâtre. Phew, I bet that was well Très bon. Thank you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> No, I think that's very good. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, très bien would be très actually bien. very good. Très, très bon is um, very happy, <laughs> I think. Well, I'm very happy. <laughs> but merci. Through her life, Kristen has lived more years in Paris than in the UK, leading to cite herself is more French than British. Although I believe now at this point in time, she is back living more permanently in London. Between 1983 and 1985, Kristen starred in a string of French theatre productions. One I was pleased to read uh, is listed as having been staged in a field in Burgundy. So quite quite the beginnings on theatre. She would also begin acting in a variety of French and British TV miniseries and TV films through the early 80s and into the early 90s. 
Her first film role, very interesting debut, was in The Prince, as in the musical icon Prince, directed um, and starring Under the Cherry Moon, a 1986 romantic musical comedy drama film, which did not go down well at all with audiences, critics, um, audiences and critics, I should say, but the album from the film, I believe, is called Parade sold massively so Prince didn't lose out entirely and thankfully neither did Chris and Scott Thomas despite getting a Razzie nomination for this um two actually for worst supporting actress and worst new star but we know not to trust the Razzies and thankfully um in this case really don't trust the Razzies mm. so her real breakthrough then would come in A Handful of Dust in 1988, where she played the leading character of Brenda Last. This won her the Evening Standard British Film Award for the most promising newcomer. So there's a turnaround if ever I heard one. In 1992, she starred alongside Mr. Hugh Grant in Roman Polanski's erotic romantic thriller Bitter Moon. But then she would, of course star alongside Hugh Grant again in 1994's Four Weddings and a Funeral, where she won a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress and yet again an Evening Standard Award for Best Actress. And this is where I was delighted to read as well that she even dubbed herself in French for the French release of this film and then would go on to do that many times throughout her career, which I think is wonderful. But sort of what a moment, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Michael, are you a fan of this film? Yes. I mean, Four Weddings and a Funeral, for those who may not know, um, really follows the story of Hugh Grant, who has had a troubled uh, romantic history, as him and his group of friends, including Chris and Scott Thomas as Fiona, um, basically go to Four Weddings and a Funeral. And I guess the main thread of the or pull of the story or the film is you grant with Andy McDowell. But you see all the different friends and whatever, you know, grow like certain friends meet at a wedding and then they get married. Then the funeral is of a friend. Um, and yeah, I think the, the structure and the comedy and the humanity and the the thoughtfulness i think that's in it which i don't think you like when i hear the name richard curtis because he's he's behind four weddings funeral i don't associate those things anymore really like maybe sentimentality or you know enjoyable entertainment but i think rewatching four weddings and a funeral it is absolutely gorgeous at moments Do you know like how they have you know a, a gay couple in it and quite central to the heartbeat of it is really brilliant and really thoughtful of the time where, you know, we wouldn't have had queer characters or queer representation in a positive way at all. To the point where even if, you know, one of the gay characters passes away, but the but this a joyful, like there's a joyful element to it all. And the other gay character is not left alone and single as everyone else is going. They are coupled. The person who is left single is Kristen Scott Thomas, kind of. Um, she... She's wonderful. I mean, the lines of dialogue, she's so able to be independent and is comfortable in her own identity, but is also longing for something more. Like she's longing to be part of the weddings they're going to, even if she's a bit cynical. But she's really, I, 
she's the sort of person I feel like I would be. And maybe this is where my thing with Christmas Scott Thompson would be. Like at a wedding or a function or all these things. Like I'd be a quiet person and then like her have these one-to-one moments with people and just have like, you know, a connection and, you know, you open up. Like, Ma, I'm, I mean, there's so many and I'm intrigued to know what would be your favourite moment of hers. But she's talking to that older woman and she's like basically talking about her history. Tell me, are you married? No. Are you a lesbian? Good Lord. Um, what made you say that? Well, it's one of the possibilities for unmarried girls. And it is a bit more interesting than saying, oh dear, just never found the right chap, eh? <laughs> Right. Why be dull? Thank you. And the truth is, the truth is, I have met the right person. Only he's not in love with me, and until I stop loving him, no one else stands a chance. Oh, bad luck. Yes, isn't it? And I just think the interaction between that is so lovely, and like it really. In another film, that sort of thing wouldn't make sense to the larger story. But here, like, no, this is because people are trying to discover themselves at the age they are in their 20s. I'm assuming she would have been in late 20s and the expectations on them. And it's a real light touch character in a way because she's not focused on. um, But I love it. And I love, love, love the sequence where she tells you, Grant, that she is in love with him. And then I obviously love the ending where she has, um, she's empowered to be herself, do you know? And then, then we would have had her as queen, queen of England because she, she it's insinuated she is married to Prince, uh, Prince Charles. Oh my God, I can't keep up. The new king. <laughs> the new um, king, yes. At well, the time, I, I, well hopefully by the court where, where, you know, when this has come out, he's still alive. But I assume so. Um, <laughs> king William. Oh, King Charles. Oh my God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Whichever the the one married to Camilla, <laughs> that one, yeah, that that old geezer. Um, yes, she's wonderful in this. I echo your thoughts on the moment where she expresses her love to Hugh Grant. I think she absolutely nails that moment because she plays it without it being a moment seeking sympathy. It's sort of just laying her cards on the table. There's a moment of hopefulness. It's taken away, but you can feel that that's not what she's out for. She just chooses her moment. She offloads, and you really feel for her, but not because it's manipulative or calculated in that way to make it feel that way. So I think she plays it brilliantly. Her jackets and clothes in this film as well, marvellous, my goodness. Hmm. All of it. I mean, the aesthetic of the film, it's funny, the further the way you get from the 90s, something like Four Weddings and the Funeral really does aesthetically become very pleasing. Yeah, it's so much so, but the whole film, I mean, it feels, although similar to other Richard Curtis films, we should say Mike Newell directed Four Weddings and a Funeral, but Richard Curtis is the writer, and it, and it feels like other films totally maybe like a Notting Hill, something like that. You You can understand it's from the same pen but they captured sort of a kind of lightning in a bottle in terms of uh, this connection between the friends and the atmosphere that's set within the film and like you were saying earlier about the structure and just jumping between this it is so pleasing it's just so delightful to be in this world for a couple of hours watching and these group of friends just feel so 
oddly relatable to me. And and it's not that it's because I have a group of friends which feel exactly like these characters, not at all. But there's something about their friendship and the this sort of true love that exists within there whilst also maintaining the, the kind of rhythm of friendship and then coming together at these times and what it means to come together at these times. And maybe I also just say that because I'm at the age now where a lot of my friends are settling down and getting married and it's a great thing because I get to see a specific group of my friends in particular from home in Scotland very often at the moment. You know, it's like two, three times a year at this point because these things are happening. And it it just made it a fun rewatch to think about that certainly at this place in my life and just be with them for a couple of hours so yeah i'm a fan yeah and she should have been oscar nominated for yeah. best supporting actress yeah i agree i agree i agree um, i agree she is wonderful she's wonderful so great all right, moving on, but sticking within the same year in 94, she starred in the Romanian-French film An Unforgettable Summer, in which she played Marie-Thérèse von de Bretzi, but maybe said in a different accent. Rather than learn Romanian for the part, she read her lines phonetically, um, but understandably had the dialogue translated so she would actually know what she was saying. In an interview in, I read as the Gloucester Citizen in 2015, she cited this role as one of the ones she is most proud of, alongside the English patient and the Only God Forgives, both of which we will get to. But An Unforgettable Summer, I believe you decided to give it a go in an interesting way? Oh, this is years ago, yes. So, you know, when your favourite actor says they have a favorite film you watch the film now it's very it was very hard to get i've not rewatched it but i did i watched it without subtitles and my main memory is great costumes like she looked great <laughs> well wonderful and also if she didn't have that translation she'd probably be just as in the dark about what she was saying as you were watching it in that way so you have a synchronicity there which is a beautiful thing yeah Um, 1995 then, that's a busy year on film for her, understandably, given um, the the work she's been doing over the few years previously. We see her in Richard III and Angels and Insects, to name a couple. For that film, Angels and Insects, she won yet another Evening Standard Film Award. We're going to understand through this run-through that the Evening Standard fucking love Chris and Scott Thomas and throw the award at her every occasion they can, which, why not? 1996, though, here's the moment. Deep breaths, Michael. She would star in the first Mission Impossible film. (laughs) 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 I mean, I I knew that was coming for, and I still, I still fell for that. And she's good. She's good in that film, even if she doesn't last very long. She's very good. (gasps) Spoiler. Um, But okay, so there's that one big one, of course. However. We have one of her truly shining moments in Anthony Mangella's The English Patient, which, alongside, I should say, its many wins, including Best Picture, she would be nominated for her performance in the lead actress category at the Oscars, as well as the BAFTAs, Golden Globes, SAGs and Satellite Awards. So this was a big moment for her. Lead actress nomination at the Oscars, wonderful... Her good pal Juliet, 
I hope they're good pals. That would be delightful. Juliette Binoche gets are, in. Yeah. Oh, they are. Okay, wonderful. Oh, but there's a picture from of them like a few years ago where the Ray finds Juliette Binoche and Chris Scott Thomas somehow were at the same red carpet, and the joy in their faces, like because because you imagine at their career point at that, you know, what a moment. So yes, yeah, sorry, sorry yes. to interrupt. No, no, go. not at all. I was just going to say Juliette Binoche. That is where she won her Oscar, which. Mm. We love to celebrate another icon of cinema whilst we're at it. But yes, The English Patient. Now, I know this one's quite special to you, so I'm going to let you tell us about The English Patient if you're feeling up to it. I I do feel up to it. Um, I may not make it to the end. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I have a lot of feelings. Um, the English Patient is a gorgeous exploration of what it means to be human. Um, but, but structurally, it is about Julia Bonosch's, um nurse character, played uh, called Hannah, as she rescues... Um, well, she doesn't rescue. She realises this man, played by Ray Fiennes, who is uh, disfigured from uh, Burns, he doesn't have long to live, and instead of like bringing him you know, all this way to evacuate this area, they should stay in this gorgeous place in Italy, um, this rundown place um, where he can die. Um, I should say she has also had loss and she has also had a lot of trauma from war. Um, and then she discovers Ray Fiennes has a book and she starts to read this book and they start to reflect on his time just before the war where he was making maps in Africa, when he met Catherine Kay in his book. Um, and he, she's introduced by, she's there with her husband, right? I just rewatched it and I, yeah, hus oh no, fiance, fiance, uh, played by Colin Firth. And he's, all, he, she's just, she is, she's like an old fashioned, movie star character like she arrives she has this presence like this all this very masculine energy and she is the center of attention because she's glamorous but also because she has this commanding authority and Rafe, who is like this quiet man likes to do things a certain way doesn't really like communicating is is enamored by her and we see their journey and then the film basically follows this and there's questions whether the english patient ray finds is he a spy? Is he not? And then all of that is, is part of the story too. Um, but yeah, it's about this affair between Ray Fiennes and Chris and Scott Thomas. It's about Juliette Binoche's sort of acknowledgement of loss and grief and moving on in her future. Um, as she has a relationship with the absolutely... I mean, everybody's gorgeous in this movie. But Naveen Andrews, who is a soldier... Oh my God, like... Uh, I, I honestly, oh my God, I've just, I, I, I just, I just, I just fell to the floor. No, honestly, it is such a, it, I wouldn't say a horny movie. It's just a very sexy, sensual film. And it makes me feel everything. I just absolutely love it. And Chris has got Thomas in it. Now, this is probably where I would have first seen her or, or like, and fully like fell in love with her because she is playing what I think in other hands could be a really bland sort of female character in a story with lots of probably more interesting elements. You know, she is a woman who has probably been kept in a cage for a lot of her life and is finding this passion and this 
I wouldn't even say freedom, but she is, she, you know, she has, is well educated. She has, she's pro- quite proud. She has all this. And she, I don't think the film actually gives her much t- room to be a properly fully fledged character. But she, oh my God, like, there's so many moments, you know, like, thinking about what clips I would put into this is mad to me because, like, her talking about the stories or, like, when they talk, sit around the thing that's so good like there's so many sexy moments too like she's offering her like drawings to Ray Fiennes and the way that they interact like he's like oh no these are too good for me but she's she's just like no I want you like this is my way of saying I I like you like I fancy you to like the meeting in the market oh no they don't see foreign women in this market how much did you pay um seven eight pounds I suppose which store why you've been cheated oh, don't worry we'll take it back I don't want to take it back. Uh, this is not worth eight pounds, Mrs. Clifton. Just to me. Did you bargain? I don't care to bargain. That insults them. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think that you're insulted by me somehow. I'd be very happy to obtain the correct price for this. I apologize if I appear abrupt. I'm rusty at social graces. I just find it all so romantic. Like, this is my, like fantasy film in a way of of their interactions and they are so hot together do you know like i don't think there's a more attractive leading couple than rafe vines and chris and scott thomas in the english patient um i i do it this this i'm kind of not even telling much of the story but i think i think there's no it's no surprise the film was embraced that way i also love the book i should say and i think this adaptation is probably one of the best adaptations from a book to a film and I've I've actually read the book twice. I've seen the film countless times. I listen to the soundtrack a lot. <laughs> I I I just you know live and breathe the English patient. Amazing. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have quite as gushy a relationship with it, but I do still think it's it's great. Um, I think her story in the film is a very interesting one. I believe this is a role that she kind of fought hard for and although she was kind of trying 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 I think initially the producers of the film was 20th Century Fox they didn't want Kristen Scott Thomas they wanted Demi Moore who was apparently also really going for it um they then pulled out because of that and a few other casting choices that's when the sort of Weinstein machine of Miramax comes in and kind of saves it from it feeling like it may not take off even though the cast and crew were pretty much ready to go I think and they were waiting yeah that isn't that crazy yeah and it, like leading up to that point in, in sort of um Kristen's fight for getting this role they uh, they had I think what she calls a disastrous first meeting about the role but then would go on to get cast because it's sort of part of her um, desire to get in. She she wrote him a letter with this statement, I am Kay in your film. And then I think that's what uh, sealed the deal for her. So well played, Kristen. But she is just wonderful in this. Even that story kind of leads into what the English patient is and what it's doing. So Understandably, 1996, you know, it's it's a, a while back now, but it feels like quite a unique film of its time in that it was harking back to things from way before, like, David Lean-type cinema. And it has a sweep which was quite 
unusual for this time. So, w- therefore, what the film is kind of asking of its stars is something quite particular. And you get that, I think, specifically from Kristen Scott Thomas and in, in Ray Fiennes in particular. And they're doing great at sort of presenting themselves in the way that serves the story and serves this sort of... Not When I say rigid, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in a way which sort of serves the story well. But these characters who have a kind of upwardness, um, which it, it just it just fuels this sort of um dreamy romanticized idea of of this love story on screen and i think for it's that this reason... sort of coded language of mm. that's why like i bring up i guess celia johnson is a bit like because like brief encounter you know there's no these characters live in a bubble where yeah you know, communicating in that way has to be the stilted, performed, like exactly what you're saying. And you're right, they nailed that without it feeling stuffy or old. Yeah. Completely. You know, old fashioned, I should say. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It's um, it's a beautifully shot thing. The music is amazing. And Juliette Binoche is also an absolute gem. So there are many things to get out of this film. And it's a real lovely settle in and let it kind of wash over you and go with it old-fashioned type of film which just works for me so it was a good one to revisit and i feel like it's a film that gets a lot of you um like negative things said about Mm -hmm. it like it's long it's this i mean because for it i've never seen it on the big screen now you know loads of films are shown a lot on the big screen and for me like this i mean i will see it one day because i imagine in five or whatever many years it will become cool or you know whatever but I just feel like people just underwrite it as this sort of romantic drama that's long, that's British, that's about posh people. And I think they're mis- misremembering or maybe misunderstanding or maybe I'm just totally, you know, naive and silly and I don't get it. But um, but yeah, it is it is uh, amazing. And one thing I want to say about it, because rewatching it, it really struck me, is... It very easily, and this is because this is the book and the film, both of those stories could have easily been not misogynistic, but it wouldn't, it feels not feminist, but also not, like it's it's realistic. Like for instance, you know, when they first have sex, Ray Fiennes and Kristen Scott Thomas, he rips her clothes. Then it cuts to, he's in the bath, mending her clothes, and then this interaction, and it's how, like gender is really thoughtfully, included in this thing including Juliette Binoche's you know being a nurse she has all of these um drugs and then we have Willem Dafoe arriving and there's all the dynamics between them are really thoughtful and obviously it's to do with nationalities as well as um gender and I think it's a really 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 well thought through piece and I I love it. I just love it. And one thing I do want to ask before we go is because every or move on even. Imagine I'm ending the episode now because it's my birthday <laughs> and we've talked about the English patient. No, I it I'm always like from a structure point of view, the leads of this movie, it's Juliet Bonash's story, really, and then it's Ray Fine's story. She he's the antagonist to bring her and Kristen Scott Thomas is is a supporting role like that is so it is i i always find it wild that julia binoche wasn't lead and chris scott thomas supporting 
But I know in a traditional, you know, romantic thing and how they sold it, Kristen Scott Thomas is the lead. And I'm not trying to take that away from her. I just wanted to know your opinion on that, because I think it's an interesting example of I wouldn't I would, I would never say this is the right way or the wrong way. I just think clearly it's Hannah's story because we start and end with her and it's her journey we follow. But yeah. yes, no, 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 I agree. It's certainly it, certainly her story more than it is Kristen Scott Thomas's character. That one hundred percent. So the, she for me is more the supporting role, and and Juliet certainly is the lead. Um, but yes, I'm with you. You you're sort of with her the whole way, and him. I guess they those two are kind of the leads. Um, but I guess the Oscars get too hung up and. The idea of a romantic lead being the lead and things like this, but either way, Benoit has an act, uh, a, an Oscar win. But maybe it would have yeah. been different had it been flipped. Then maybe Kristen Scott Thomas would have a, an Oscar win. Who knows? It could be. Well, an funny enough, I still think Juliette Binoche would have bet Francis McDormand and Fargo. Like I, I think I feel like something about Juliette Binoche in it is so is her energy on screen. It's she's the heart of the film in a way. I mean, they're all amazing. That Ray Fiennes doesn't have an Oscar is wild to me too. Yeah. Um, I assume he won Hottest Man of the Year at whatever was happening <laughs> at that time. Yeah. I'm sure a mantelpiece full of those awards. Uh, Honestly, like, what a... I, when I met him in person through work, I just kept saying, like, do not bring up how much you idolise and fantasise about him in The English Patient. It's not appropriate. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, well, let's... Let's leave it at that, and um, we can uh, let the image of Rafe sit in our minds as we mm, move on. Sandy Rafe. <laughs> it's a very sandy Rafe. Um, yeah, in fact, you can't really see his face. So <laughs> well, some of it, truly. I mean, if ever there was a film about masks, read that as you wish. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we move on. Anyway, all right. 1998 then. So we're a couple of years on now. She stars in The Horse Whisperer opposite um, a horse and Robert Redford, as well as the British black comedy Sweet Revenge um, alongside Sam Neill and Helena Bonham Carter. In 1999, she stars in Sidney Pollack's romantic drama Random Hearts opposite Harrison Ford. And very interestingly, I read she was... Scheduled to appear opposite Harrison Ford in a doomed production of a film called Age of Aquarius, which fell through due to financial complications. And then, also in 98, she was set to be uh, up the role of Harrison Ford's leading lady in Six Days, Seven Nights, which the part she lost to Anne Heche. So, Random Hearts, third time lucky in trying to work with Harrison, there it goes, it happened. Actually, that's one I haven't watched ever. Um, so, neither have I, right so should we shan't talk about it. Instead, let's move on to the turn of the millennium. 2000, uh, we see her in Up at the Villa. And then in 2001, we have a film called Life as a House and Robert Altman's Gosford Park. Now, here is a film we have spoken about before, right? Who have we spoken about this one for? Have we? Oh, my God. We I, must I, have. I, Everyone. I mean, 
Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, that's weird. I'm going through the list of people because I I know I talk about doing a Bob Balaban um, episode, but I don't. We haven't done that. Uh, or Emily Watson, or Kelly McDonald, or Adi Atkins, um, who's a dame, surprisingly for some. That might be an. Oh my you. god! Stop it! <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm sorry. I I just find it wild. She's in that dame documentary with Joan Plowright, Maggie Smith, and Judy Dench. Um, Anyway, anyway, that's that's a that's a really weird way to Boo-boo. throw shade at a really wonderful person. They just needed someone to make it relatable. <laughs> I'm joking. Do you not think Lady Olivier, uh, Joan Plowright, was enough? Um, sorry, we're but yeah, Gosford Park. Gosford no Park. Idea. That's so. I I would convince we've spoken about it, but I guess not. Gosford Park um, tells the story of a group of well-to-do folks gathering at the uh, manor house of um, Michael Gambon's character and Lady Kristen Scott Thomas. And on the kind of um, time spent there, shooting trips and all that, there is a death. And things... A murder? Spiral out of control. A murder! Indeed! Um, and then it sort of turns into a bit of a whodunit in a large house situation. That that sounds like I'm underselling it. I think Gosford Park's absolutely fabulous. Um, oh yeah, because it's about it's about class, it's about Britishness, it's about family in a way. Yeah, it actually is about family when with like the whole thing, and um, it's not really about murder. And Chris has got. I mean, Maggie Smith and Chris has got Thomas. I think are the characters with the like cattiest lines in it. Yeah. The interaction between, like, at the dinner table when they're talking to the movie producer, played by Bal- Balaban, I find absolutely delicious. Mr. Weissman, mm-hmm. yes. tell us about the film you're going to make. Oh, sure. It's called Charlie Chan in London. It's a detective story. Set in London. Well, not really. Uh, most of it takes place at a uh, shooting party in a country house, sort of like this one, actually. Uh, murder in the middle of the night, a lot of guests for the weekend, everyone's a suspect, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Horrid. And who turns out to have done it? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you that. It, it would spoil it for you. Oh, but none of us will see it. <laughs> it's just, like, wonderful. Yeah, Julian Fellows, like, this is, the, I guess, the flip side. If it wasn't for Gosford Park, we wouldn't have had to have had Downton Abbey and we wouldn't have had to have the Gilded Age. I'm only joking. I, I, as you know, have a soft spot for those two. But it did really, like, gave Julian Fellows an Oscar, which seems wild, and then also gave him all this space to make these heritage pieces that are basically campy melodrama soap operas um so you know without him our dear friend uh, elizabeth um what's her name elizabeth mcgovern she wouldn't be back in the i, I love how we've gone from from nowhere to elizabeth mcgovern that happens um but uh, could you do the voice just can you say happy birthday michael in the elizabeth mcgovern oh voice? no i'm too on the spot hold on let's channel down to nappy oh, i can't do it i need to say um, okay we'll co- circle back i will not forget we are going to circle back <laughs> Listeners, stay here because we're going to have a special guest. Elizabeth McGovern will be joining us to say happy birthday to me. Yeah, you better wait. Um, But it's a wonderful film. Yeah, it is a delicious one. One I very much cherish rewatches of for a lot of the great performances, not least Kristen Scott Thomas and Maggie Smith in one of her best. So that's, that's a must. 
Also in 2001 saw her return to the stage in France where she played the title role in a production of... Now, is it Racine? Racines? Berenice? Oh, God. I mean, please don't because I work in theatre. I should know that. I will say whatever you want to say. Let's go with that then. Racine sounds fine. In 2003, she starred as Masha in a West End production of Three Sisters, for which she was Olivier Award nominated. Now, I'm not mistaken in saying that you saw this production, did you? You're very mistaken. Oh, I shit. did not see Three Sisters. I've seen, I didn't, I've seen her in Electra. I've seen her in Old Times. I've seen her in... What's the other Pinter play? And she was amazing. That was amazing. That's one of betrayal? the best things I've ever seen. Betrayal. Oh my God. Her in Betrayal. And I also saw her in Lyonese, whatever the new thing is. But, um, <laughs> or current thing. Current, because it might be gone by the time you're listening. But um, yes. I've seen her a lot then on stage. But no, I didn't yeah. see Three Sisters or The Seagull, which is The Seagull is the one where she won the Olivier. Yeah. 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 And but you've seen Three Sisters on stage, right? I've not, do I? Oh, I've seen Three Sisters a yeah, few okay. times. Okay, that's it. I knew that you'd been banging on about that play at some point, so I wasn't entirely wrong. Anyway, anyway. Chekhov. Anyway. A lot of people have been banging on about Chekhov for, for, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish they'd shut up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, then maybe more familiar terrain. That same year, she stars in an episode of Absolutely Fabulous as a character called Plum Berkeley. Wonderful. In 2004, we see her in French adventure crime film Arsène Lupin. 2005 then brings Chromophobia, which reteams her again with Ray Fiennes. Um, a film called Man to Man and our beloved Keeping Mum. She can't stay away from Maggie Smith. Here comes... Number three, Richard III, Gosford Park, Keeping Mum, and there's more to come, but yeah, Keeping Mum's a, a goodie. You're a fan of Keeping Mum, right? Yes, I championed for us to focus on Keeping Mum for a few different reasons. Firstly, I think it's a, it's a really good movie that is really underseen. I never hear people talk about it. Um, secondly, it's a real proper mainstream British comedy, Do you know, like it, or aimed to be mainstream. And I think she hasn't had like it comes at an interesting time where she maybe was like fuck it i probably should be trying to be in more entertaining things like no not many people are watching chromophobia um so maybe i should do keeping mum <laughs> i mean i've seen chromophobia i've seen most of these things but um keeping mum re weirdly when i rewatched it um it's rowan atkinson they have as the lead but it is really the story of Chris and Scott Thomas as this wife to a vicar in a small village in England and mother to two children, one a little a boy who must be, what, 12 or something, being bullied in, in quite a horrific way. I mean, I say horrific, but also all the bullies do is like push him over a wall. So it's, it's not like he's Ugh. he's actually in danger. But, um, he, but, but, but no, trauma. Trauma's there. And um, mm-hmm. then he, she has an older daughter who is... Uh, 16 and we meet when she is shagging her recent boyfriend in a camper van right outside their house after on a Sunday after mass has ended anyway so he follows her yeah and Rowan Atkinson plays the vicar husband and Chris and Scott Thomas just wants a break she doesn't want to be with her sexless husband she or she doesn't want to be in a, a sexless relationship with her husband she doesn't want her daughter 
embarrassing her and she doesn't want her son to be bullied. What she wants is Patrick Swayze as her golf instructor to take her away to Mexico, which seems like the wildest, like they could have gone anywhere. To Mexico seems like a real leap. Do you know, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, he plays a very... Um, rapey um, <laughs> he just, he's so rapey like everything about him like even when we're introduced and he's like take your golf stick bend over now bend your knees now thrust your ass into my pelvis it's, it's like it's like ooh, this man absolutely not okay and then he pervs on her daughter but then Maggie Smith arrives with a big suitcase and a wonderful lavender getup, like a big coat, <laughs> like a Mary Poppins-esque. Oh, yeah. And um, suddenly, like, the bullies are, you know, trying to attack the boy, but she has uh, broken their their brakes, so they just <laughs> go flying down <laughs> the thing. Um, the daughter's interested in baking. The Rowan Atkinson is learning jokes and learning about sex. And Kristen Scott Thomas also has her journey. And I just think it's a really lovely film. Um yeah, and ha- you'd never seen it before. Oh, no, I have seen this film many, many oh, sorry, times. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of Keeping Mum. I mean, I'm a Maggie Smith diehard over here, and this is a really fun one. I like the, the Mary Poppins, though, actually, because I hadn't thought about that before. It's sort of like an anti... Not as an she's anti Mary Poppins, like an anti-Mary Poppins film. It's like the opposite of she still comes with her massive bag, but instead she's maybe stuffing bodies in it rather than, um, you know... Doing well, more Mary Poppins is kind of things. a sociopath too. Yeah, but that's it, and also there to to sort of um, be helping everyone out along the way. Sort of, she needs to be there to to make good things happen. <laughs> I feel like actually, we, I've totally did not mention one really important bit: is that Maggie Smith's housekeeper is a murderer. So how she makes things better is by killing people and dogs and such. I think that's a really that's a really important piece of information. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, so she she so as well as cutting breaks, um, she also kills a dog, kills neighbors, um, tries to kill other people too. There's no stopping her. There's no stopping um, Maggie. Yeah, what a movie! What a movie indeed! Yeah, check out Keeping Mum if you've not seen it. What a what a little treasure! Yeah. Uh, okay, where were we? So 2005 into 2006 now, she starred on stage again on the West End in As You Desire Me. Also in 2005, I should say, she was awarded the Legion d'Honneur, France's highest civilian award, um, which is very exciting for her. So she's she's got the, the big medals in both France and uh, the United Kingdom. 2006 sees a French double with the valet and Tell No One, which I'd forgotten she was in Tell No One actually until going yeah. through this. A film I haven't seen for a very long time, so my memories of it are hazy, but it's a good one, right? Oh, that's it. And it was a big film at the, of the moment, mm. yeah. Anyway, we have no more thoughts than that, so let's move on. 2007 brings Paul Schrader's The Walker, and she has a voice role in The Golden Compass. She also starred as Arkadina in a production of The Seagull, as we mentioned, in London's Royal Court Theatre, for which she did win her Olivier Award. 2008 was another busy year on film for Kristen, as we see her in Easy Virtue, which is an adaptation of the No Coward play. 
she's so fun i mean this is where like you've mentioned so many films i'm like oh but um she's so fun and easy virtue is a bitch to jessica beale or jessica yeah not jessica beale Beale, Mm -hmm. is it yeah Yeah. anyway she's really really fun Mm -hmm. okay fun she did the the fun was recognized she got nominations from biffa and the london film critics circle for best supporting actress for easy virtue um, she was also the same year in Largo Winch, a French action thriller, The Other Boleyn Girl, playing Lady Elizabeth Boleyn. And um, I think this starts her run of playing Scarlett Johansson's mother. I think this was, this is the first of three occasions, the most recent one being uh, right up to date in uh, Kristen's directorial debut. She again is playing Scarlett Johansson's mother, so... A fun trend to have started uh, with um, the other Boleyn girl. But anyway, most significantly perhaps from this very year is the French drama I've Loved You So Long, which saw her stack up some more nominations from BAFTA, the Césars, Golden Globes, I included this one for you, Michael, the Irish Film and TV Awards, and the Satellite Awards. And she won at the London Film Critics Circle and the European Film Awards. I had not seen I've Loved You So Long until only a few days ago where um, I was delighted to join you and see it projected um, and I was delighted to have seen it. I didn't really know what to expect too much other other than getting, I'm sure, an acting masterclass from Kristen Scott Thomas. And when you read about the film, which is about a woman released from prison for the murder of her child and then going to live with her sister and her sister's family. Although that sounds intriguing, I'd, it's maybe not always a film that would jump out at you, something, something you would, be, would fit the mood maybe of a certain moment. But it was very engrossing and she is giving a barnstorming performance, getting to cover the full full range, the full spectrum of emotions. She She's doing a lot in this film. This is a more familiar one to you, though, that you, I believe, have seen a few times. I loved you so long. What does it mean to you? Oh, God. Um, I I have seen it a lot. Like, I, I've seen it in the cinema a lot. I, I was studying. Um, I was in Dublin studying when it came out. And there was something about the tone and about the performance style and the character arc that I was and am fascinated by. Um, so yes, it follows this woman who's waiting to be collected um, by her sister, and she is broken. She wears this fucking awful, which is quite hipster, um, as you point out, um, jacket, like massive coat. She's smoking. She's 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 like gaunt. Like she's almost like lo- she's a ghost of somebody, almost. And to watch that journey where she reconnects with a sister she never really knew because at the time she went to jail, her sister was much younger. And trying to find a job, trying to settle, trying to find moments to be a normal person and live, not just after being in prison, but after what she has done because she has committed a a kind of a a Greek tragedy-esque sort of... Well, a crime is, is too simple a word, but something like that kind of goes against what human nature is. I think it's amazing. I And I, I will say rewatching it, it's a film that doesn't hold up in all senses. 
and I don't think all the performances match what Kristen Scott Thomas no, is sure, doing. Sure, but, Oh though. my God. Yeah, exactly. Like to me, if I was to list the top 10 performances ever, that probably would be in there. Like, I think there's wow. a real lived in traumatic sort of existence, but something which I love in life and in people and in myself and everything stories is like hopefulness within something incredibly, credibly low and dark and sad and lost. You know, like the hopefulness of this film is what for me makes it, you know, exceed kind of beyond say its limitations of of of, 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 of certain parts of the film and her performance is key to that. Um I think the ending do you know, like, it's funny, I oftentimes, like, when I write stuff and think about stories and what I would tell, I often find myself like, oh, this is so cliched or this is exactly, like, the wrong thing to be doing because it's done another way. I would say the ending of this film, in a way, it's not earned. Like, you've been spending a lot of time and then suddenly, bam, there's this big, big moment, this big reveal. This, but, again, because of how she's delivering it, and then how she like modulates it to the last few beats of that scene, you are so satisfied. Like it shouldn't work, but because she has brought you, shared all of her emotions, kind of exposed herself fully as the person she is, to then just be like, you know, I'm here. They're the last words in the film. Like I'm here. Like, you know, she's responding to someone calling out for her and you're like, I get it. Like I get everything. And I think this journey of this movie is a privilege to have sat down and watched. And I've watched it however many times. And I forced a lot of people uh, in my undergrad to watch this movie. And no, not all of them enjoyed it. I mean, they all might be just want me to shut up. But also, it's what, so I'm glad I got to force you to watch it too. I know, but now I don't feel so special. That's what I got from that story. I thought I was the first. Never mind. So well, bring, many people. When I bring so many people. <laughs> well, wait. When I bring men back at like three a.m. and they're you know they're expecting something totally different, I'm like, do you know what we should do? I've got. I loved you so long on the projector. Shall we? Shall we spend time? Uh, well, fair enough. I'm. I'm glad that far more people out there have seen it thanks to you, though. So I. I forgive you for that. So. I'm my one man band. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm here. And now... What a moment! <laughs> like, honestly, I think about that ending quite a lot because, I, because I, really, it is just so so wonderful. I just I wish everybody could have a journey like Kristen Scott Thomas's character has in that film to be like whatever is making you feel shit, you can be okay. Do you know it's mm. going to be okay? Yeah, but I wasn't suspecting that she would go into the Sondheim number straight after. But it was an interesting. It end. was funny because she only said "I'm here" and then she just started singing "I'm still here" and it's just confusing. And um, I should say just before confusing. that, this Oscar year was wild. Like this is the year where Kate Winslet was nominated for two Best Actress, um, you know, things in loads of places for The Reader and for Revolutionary Road. It's where Sally Hawkins was not nominated for an Oscar for Happy Go Lucky. It's where Mel Melissa Leo, who we like to bring up, was nominated for Frozen River. It's also the year where they did the presentations with like, um, mm. you know, they had Marion Cotillard. So in my mm. head, I just think Chris and Scott Thomas should have been in that lineup. Like it who, is who it had an amazing lineup. Who are you kicking out? Um, so we have Anne Hathaway, Rich getting married, keep Meryl Streep in doubt. I mean, she's amazing, but she'll be nominated again. Um, so maybe who else? So obviously it's Kate Winslet in the reader, 
Penelope, no, not Penelope Cruz. Who is it? Who is, that's it. Like, oh, Melissa Leo, who I would have kept. Amazing in Frozen River. And I feel like there's someone else. Oh, Angelina Jolie. Get rid of her and Changeling. I'd get rid of da- Mrs. Da- Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> i get rid of Doubt. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Sorry, I- I'll get rid of Meryl Streep and Doubt. And I'll get rid of Angelina Jolie and Changeling. Get Chris Scott Thomas in there. Get Sally Hawkins in there. And I don't know, I mean, now I'll have to think of, like, who I'd have present. Who's a British woman? Oh, Emma Thompson. Get Emma Thompson to do the, like, little bit of intro. You know, they had all the best actress previous winners come out to do intros. So Emma Thompson could have done Kristen Scott Thomas. How sweet that would have been. Mm, uh... And then Kristen would have won and Kate Winslet would have been fuming. She had her shampoo bottle speech ready to go. <laughs> she was, she's sitting there like, what the fuck? But yeah, anyway, there's my dream scenario. Good. Okay, well, thank you for, for sharing and running us through that. Uh, mm. It's a good one. Great performance. Definitely worth checking out. 2009, we're moving on to now. We see her star in Confessions of a Shopaholic, um, where she plays... Again. Is she the fashion editor, the magazine She's editor? She's the Miranda Priestley part. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Uh, we have Nowhere Boy, which tells the story of the teenage years of John Lennon, where she plays Mimi Smith, who is John's aunt, who brings up John Lennon. Um, for this, she received nominations from BAFTA, BIFA, London Film Critics Circle, amongst others. Um, this year also has her in the French drama Leaving, which saw her earn another César nomination, and yet another win from the London Evening Standard Film Awards. They love her. In 2010, amongst others, we get Sarah's Key, which is a film I went and saw at the cinema and can remember the the tone of it, but I can't remember too much more, sadly. But I think I remember it being good. Was I right? It's a Holocaust movie, I think, for young people. It's um, it's very sentimental. I remember I remember the whole time thinking it was a real story. Um, that I that the story focus on, and then realizing no, it's not. Okay. And I, I, I don't know. It's it, it's probably it's probably all right. I can't remember it well enough to really judge. She's uh, doing because she's an investigator or something or a journalist. Like journalist, so she's playing yeah. a very sort of matter of fact, bland sort of part. Like it's not. Um, it's not. I loved you so long. Got you. Well, the Cesars disagree and gave her another nomination. So oh, I nominate her every year. <laughs> but but doesn't mean she's good. I'm the Evening Standard Awards. I'm on the committee. <laughs> yeah, she's she must be what like I wonder how she compares in terms of numbers of Cesar nominations along with some other French contemporaries. So there are many many nominations uh, to her name. 2011. Now we have uh, salmon fishing in the Yemen, as well as the woman in the fifth. What a time to be a fan. <laughs> what a time to be a fan, yes. These mediocre movies she's making. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's working with fun people. Some of the fashion in the Yemen. But yeah, she's fun. I think she's she's always given, she's giving a lot. Um, I assume she wasn't nominated at the Evening Standard Awards for either of those films, but she's fun in them. Very different. Yeah, no, she wasn't, I'm afraid to say. But uh, yes, good. What a year. Um, the same year she starred in this is where she was in Betrayal Harold Pinter's Betrayal um, which brought another Olivia nomination and Michael to the audience I've actually seen Betrayal at the Harold Pinter Theatre but a much more recent version with 
Tom Hiddleston and now partner Zoe Ashton. Your partner? Not my partner, but she seems great. I wouldn't mind. Um, Sorry, is she going out with Tom Hiddleston? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't keep up. These these semi-famous people... <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> that, I mean, we're doing a podcast about people that we think deserve more. And Zoe Ashton, we could be doing her soon. Yeah, why not? Why not? But yes, Betrayal, it is a good play. I haven't seen this one. Wish I had, but I have seen a version. It's good. In 2012, we get Bellamy. We have Françoise Ozon's In the House, which I recall enjoying very much when I saw this yeah. around the time it came out. I was a big fan of In the House. Um, I would have liked to have actually uh, rewatched it, and I certainly will as soon as I can because I'm keen to remind myself of what she was up to in that film that I, I got so much out of. Also this year, a French film called Looking for Hortense. 2013 sees her reunite with Philippe Claudel for Before the Winter Chill. Um, that was the director of I've Loved You So Long, so that's the significance of that one. She also reunites again with Refines for The Invisible Woman, uh, which he directed. But now we move on to one of her most strikingly memorable turns, because it certainly stands out in the pack. Uh, this is where she stars in uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's very divisive Only God Forgives. So, a film that came not long off the back of Drive, reteaming with Ryan Gosling. Um, it tells the story of um, Ryan Gosling, uh, who is a Thai cake boxer, fighter type person. Um, and Following the death of his brother, um, his mother, played by Kristen Scott Thomas, flies over um, to make sure they seek revenge for this death. Um, the family are drug smugglers, and along the way we see her doing some dirty, dirty dealings to make sure she uh, is getting as much out of her time visiting the country as she can. And... Wow, what a role this is. I remember at the time, I mean, this film was spoken about in there was kind of a lot of expectation and it was kind of tarred with a brush, whether you think it or not, of being very style over substance. I happen to think that's fairly fair um, criticism of the film. There's, It's very interesting, but it's quite hollow in many ways. Long, lingering shots of people gazing into camera or standing in shadowy spaces, neon-lit they all look gorgeous, while well, Ryan Gosling and Kristen Scott Thomas look gorgeous. Kristen Scott Thomas cuts quite the striking presence. She has sort of mid-back length, blonde, straight blonde hair. She's twig-like and has the eyes like daggers and a tongue like a dagger too. I mean, the lines that <laughs> she speaks in this film are... Um, mighty surprising given you know the reflection we've had on all the other stuff she's been in uh, name a word that you know your mother wouldn't let you say and she said it with some ferocity good morning madame how may i help you listen to me i have just traveled ten thousand miles to see the corpse of my firstborn son i haven't slept in 30 hours and this bitch says i can't have my room 
Michael says she's never been a racist. She has a wildly racist line in here, which is unforgivable, but the character is an unforgivable character. The point is that this is the, the nastiest of nasty. She is playing a vile person in this role, and mm. it is fun watching her play this role. Even when I think this film fails around her, it's, I mean, it is It is certainly an experience watching her in this. What do you make of at least Kristen in Only God Forgives? Oh yeah, I echo everything you've said. I'm not a huge fan of the film, but I think she's amazing. And because of the, you'll know this already probably, but the, it wasn't it supposed to be the guy who played Gaston, wasn't he, he the lead or something? Luke Evans, oh. and then they changed it. So she was supposed to be a British woman. So the accent and all happened very late in the day. Like Ryan Gosling came in last minute. And yeah, delicious. Like I think it's the most delicious she's ever been on screen. And I really, I remember at the time thinking, okay, this clearly is going to open doors to everybody. Like she's going to have all the opportunities to really flex her muscles. And sadly, that didn't quite happen. But it's still there and yeah like I, I mean i don't know i apologies i don't think there's going to be any clips of her because you, you would struggle um, like how she speaks to ryan gosling's girlfriend i find uh, like uh, alarming and also really fun and also like absolutely horrible like um yeah i and rewatching clips for this i was like i thought it was bad in my in my memory but it's like oh no she really like she calls, she basically calls her, you know, as something that's used by men in a very graphic way to for their sexual pleasure, and she's nothing. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's a really weird way to refer to the language she uses, but it's just like nasty, nasty, nasty. Um, yeah, I think she's yeah, amazing. She is great. It. I mean, but yeah, only God forgives worth it for her but prepare yourself um if you're if you're used to um the Kristen scott thomas of the likes of keeping mum this is um worlds <laughs> worlds away from it but as mentioned earlier one of the things that she has said she is most proud of so she was probably excited to get to do something way outside of her usual um remit so yay for that reason Anyway, 2013 now, She this is where she's in Old Times, so another Harold Pinter production that you mentioned, which brought another Olivier Nome. In 2014, she stars in My Old Lady, which pairs her for the fourth time with Maggie Smith. So surely it must make each other, like, it must be each other's sort of within their most frequent collaborators. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Kristen's own film, potentially. I guess Scarlett Johansson's creeping up there. Um, Ray Fiennes is on three. But four times together is quite um, quite good going for, for a Maggie pairing. I think you've only got the likes of um, Judy Dench and Michael Gambon to compete with that sort of um, yeah. figures. Or anyone who's in a Harry Potter film, I guess, that already yeah, well, that boosts was... you up. <laughs> well, Kristen could have played... Oh my God, Kristen Scott Thomas could be the new McGonagall in the HBO shows. That is a very interesting thought. I I can't not see Maggie, but I like your direction. Mm. So um, I just want her to have exposure if she sure, wants it. That would do it. So maybe we're speaking it out there. So listen up, world. Anyway, 
on from that. So my old lady, she then from there went on to do Sweet Francais. Um, the same year, this is where she is in Sophocles' Electra, um, which earned her fifth and most recent um, Olivia nomination. This same year, she was made uh, a dame for Services to Drama um, after previously holding the OBE, which she received back in 2003. 2015 would see her take on the role of Queen Elizabeth II in Peter Morgan's The Audience. In I d- and also, the damehood is not accidental. She was cast as the Queen when, you know, when they gave her the damehood. So I think they wanted her to say nice things and stuff. Oh, how interesting. Or it was a press thing. I've no idea, but I, I'm i certain that, like, how the hell? She was very young. Like, we have Imelda Staunton, Leslie Manville. Like, we have a lot of people um, who would make more sense than Kristen Scott Thomas at that age. Mm, yeah, interesting. Calculated if you want, that's maneuvers. a conspiracy theory. You can talk about 9-11. <laughs> you can talk about the Titanic. But I want to talk about Kristen Scott Thomas getting a damehood. <laughs> We'll leave that for your other podcast. Uh, <laughs> Conspiracy theories on why is someone a dame? Oh, is it? Ida Atkins. Why? How did Ida Atkins? <laughs> oh, God. Here we are to tear her down again. We Jokes, we jokes. She's a great highly. dame. Yes, she is a great dame. A great dame. She's a great dame or a great dame? No, it's a great dame. <laughs> uh, okay, you need to stop. We no, you're being the worst. <laughs> you're being the worst. Anyway, okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on. 2017 brings Sally Porter's The Party, um, which is a fun role for everyone involved in that film, but she's certainly having a good old time with with Sally in that one. Um, Another Evening Standard win from that film. Uh, The same year brings The Darkest Hour, which was kind of one of the more recent buzzy moments for her, playing Clementine Churchill, the wife of Winston Churchill. Uh, she received a BAFTA nomination, but certainly was in, you know, the conversation for the all the other awards that were going at that time. But that's the film, film is that's, where, that's a film, yeah, I t- yeah that's <laughs> wild to me. So, boring. Um, we move on. 2018 sees her in the Alicia Vikander um, reboot of Tomb Raider. But now we come to the best of the best, the one that truly cannot be ignored and shall not. It is Military Wives. A call from him. <laughs> so... so I shouldn't joke because it's actually quite serious, um, a very heartfelt thing. And I'm there, uh, particularly after, you know, I, I didn't realise Chris and Scott Thomas's um, connection to military families. Mm, well, so I guess makes, that's true. Military. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally is from a military family. So I, I suppose it does make a lot more sense why she was probably interested to be in this film. Also, I always find it really like I have such gratitude because I think there would have been a real easy way to do the like real life version of what happened in Britain at that time when people were obsessed with that choir and that man and that man be played by James Corden. I found I found them, him unbearable that person you know who i'm talking about he had glasses and you know they were everywhere sorry this story follows a group of people who live on a military base and their wives yeah some of them have wives and their wives and husbands are in the military and they live on this base and to do keep they are they not just in the village was it a base 
Did they, well, she entered and it had They go a, to the, um, yes, so all of the rehearsals and stuff certainly are, but I thought they were, maybe it is like a whole village. God, well, I maybe. I thought Only God Forgives was a complicated film, but military wise, <laughs> um, I certainly can't keep up with. Um, anyway, there's some sort of community and they, um, they just want to distract each other because it's shitty. And they, you know, they Sharon Horgan who's like the too cool for school, especially Sharon Horgan, is too cool for school, <laughs> doesn't want to be doing this, oh, why would we be doing this? Well, like, we could be drinking instead of um, doing stuff. And Chris Scott Thomas is this, like, majorly sort of person who's like, no, we need we need rules, we need this. And then they join and make a choir, they start singing Yazoo, they start um, having emotions, start talking about themselves, start bonding. They learn a lot. And... Um, then they go to the Royal Variety performance where the king and queen are and they sing songs and it's a really lovely thing. And I, I'm not being sarcastic. It is a lovely, it <laughs> yeah, is a lovely you really film. Into this, huh? I know. I, and it's not really a British, like it's not, not something I'm that interested in because, you know, people fighting in wars in and all this, like there's a lot of things I'm like, oh, this not really speaks to me. But the idea of people kind of being in limbo and finding each other to support each other, as well as focusing on women's stories. Sorry, that sounds so. That sounds like I'm this like sixty-year-old white cis heterosexual man. Women's stories matter, and I'll tell you why. Um, but but it is like to have like the, the conversations they talk about. You know, like I love 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 how Sharon Horgan and Kristen Scott Thomas's dynamic is. I know it's not customary for the colonel's wife to get her hands dirty, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. That's my role. No, of course, of course. So, um, what do you have in store in terms of uh, social activities? Well, we have our coffee mornings. Potluck parties. Oh, potluck mm -hmm. party. That's when everyone brings a dish and gets drunk. <laughs> of course, we've got my walk on the moors. Well, with the greatest respect, Kate, most women don't have a mess to drink in. You know, they can't go into town and get pissed, so they need somewhere to let off a bit of steam. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's because I love both of those women, but, you know, when they have their climatic argument, they are not holding back. Um, mm. They are going hell for leather, and it's it's gorgeous to watch. <laughs> Do you know, like it's fun, like it's a light-hearted film, but with a big theme. And Kristen Scott Thomas sings. She has pearls. She's married to Emma Thompson's husband on screen. <laughs> Yes, that's correct. <laughs> and and that's it. And I think she gives a like again, like keeping mum, like a really good performance in a movie that is basically a mainstream entertainment piece. Do you know? And I think mm -hmm. her part of being the stoic woman who who has lost her son and her finding ways to be able to um, basically be un-British and emotionally express it, and in the most public forum ever of singing a song about it. I really like. I, I have. I really enjoyed rewatching this film. It might have been the last film I saw before COVID shut down cinemas as well, really? which is a, okay. it's probably an odd so, film to have watched. But yeah, I didn't know at the time. Made it all the more special for you. Um, the only thing I wrote, I wrote for this one was she's fine. The film is sweet enough. I think I, that that maybe sounds a bit too damning. I had a nice time watching it. It's certainly. Uh, for those who like Calendar Girls, it's a very similarly natured 
film with a sort of similar arc to it. Uh, so if you like Calendar Girls, you might like Military Wives. That would be my pitch for them. But yes, yay to anything that we see Kristen, of course, and Sharon Horgan we love. So, Military Wives. 2019 also saw her land a fantastic role, something much shorter but very, very impactful for me. Uh, she was in an episode of Fleabag for which she was Emily, 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 and Emily nominated. See, <laughs> Emily nominated three times uh, for <laughs> guest actress in a comedy. And this episode's a great one. I mean, every episode of Fleabag's great. This one really stands out because of Kristen Scott Thomas and what she's doing in this really beautiful moment between her and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Women are born with pain built in. It's our physical destiny. Period pains, sore boobs, childbirth, you know. We carry it within ourselves throughout our lives. Men don't. They have to seek it out. They invent all these gods and demons and things so they can feel guilty about things, which is something we do very well on our own. And then they create wars so they can feel things and touch each other. And when there aren't any wars, they can play rugby. And we have it all going on in here, inside. We have pain on a cycle for years and years and years. And then, just when you feel you are making peace with it all, what happens? The menopause comes, the fucking menopause comes, and it is the most wonderful fucking thing in the world. She certainly deserved that nomination. I don't know who else she was up against, but... Fiona I... Shaw as well, was it not? In Fleabag oh, as the Therapist. I mean, oh, I don't know, okay. neither of them won, but I don't know who... But it was a good category, I remember. Um, okay, okay, fair. And yeah, I agree, that part... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so great. I was yeah exciting for her as well. Christmas Scott Thomas to because again that could have been given to an Olivia Coleman or I mean Olivia Coleman's on it, but you know somebody who would always just get those parts. I don't think Christmas Scott Thomas is on the radar in the same way as those actors, and I don't know why. Mm, no, I agree. It's a it's a strange thing, but yeah, I feel like everyone's seen Fleabag now. But if you haven't, watch it and enjoy that episode when it comes around. So, now we move into this decade. Um, in 2020, we had the final set. Um, and she also played Mrs. Danvers in Ben Wheatley's remake of Rebecca. Shame for everybody. <laughs> oh, gosh, that that is, really honestly, that, that film, that film, fucking oh, hell. Oh, no. Is she not good in it? Um, no, I mean, Mrs. Oh. Danvers, they take away the sexuality and, you know, or a lot of it. it it's She's not creepy enough. And actually, Chris Scott Thomas is, would be perfect in that role as we would have had by, what is the name of that amazing actress who plays, oh, Judas, Judas something. That's so annoying. Amazing, amazing. That's one of the best performances um, in a Hitchcock film. But um, yeah, she's not creepy enough. Army Hammer is boring and... A cannibal and uh no sorry i don't think that's been proven and i also don't i don't want to go to jail for oh. my birthday <laughs> mm. okay and lily james awesome. i love lily james she's actually kind of perfect as um mrs de winters but just the film's a bit bland yeah mm. okay well then no more needs to be said on that so 
Same year, she stars in an episode of the iconic Alan Bennett-helmed series of TV monologues that is known as Talking Heads um, in an episode called The Hand of God. From 2022 until present, she has been starring And do you know in... who played that originally? What are we talking about? The Hand in, of God? Alan Bennett, yeah. Oh, sorry, go back to that one. No, I don't know who played that originally. Who was it? I'm, uh, I'm pretty certain... Let me double check. I'm pretty certain it is... Well, I thought it was Maggie Smith, but if the joke is on me, it's Eileen Atkins. (laughs) (laughs) No way. No way. Do you know what? Here's me. I want to tell you, Eileen Atkins and Chris Scott Thomas are are both amazing. There we go. Wow. (laughs) I can't believe that. It's amazing. What a moment. Thank goodness he took us back there for that (laughs) incorrect assumption. Wow. Okay. Right. Before you, um, bl- gladly um, interrupted me. I was saying uh, in twenty twenty two to now, she's been in the Apple TV spy series Slow Horses, uh, as the deputy director general of MI five. In twenty twenty three, the year in which we are recording, um. As mentioned earlier, we have Kristen's directorial and screenwriting debut with North Star, which tells the story of three sisters returning home for the third wedding of their twice-widowed mother. But the mother and daughters are are forced to revisit the past and confront the future with help from a colourful group of unexpected wedding guests. That's the um, plot I snatched from a certain movie website. Kristen's playing the mother here, like I said, third time for um, Scarlett Johansson's mum in After the Other Bowling Girl. Oh, and The Horse Whisperer, that was the other one. So an interesting trend in her career. And then Things to Come, or actually, no, we should mention, you already mentioned it, but she has also been back on the stage in London in, it's pronounce it for me again? Well, Leonies, Leonies? I actually don't know. Okay. She's really fun in it. Like, she's having a great old time. Great. And paired her up with um, Lily James again. So uh, a win for both of them, at least, I'm sure. And things to come then. So we have Jane Anderson's Women in the Castle. Uh, We have Rupert Everett's Lost and Found in Paris. And a film called uh, Paramour. Paramour as the BMW heiress Suzanne Clatton. Although I think this one has actually been slated for a few years now so it might just be one of those that that keeps kicking around but hopefully anything which has her in a leading role we want and there is more to come of the tv series slow horses so that sort of takes us up to date the only thing i haven't actually mentioned to this point uh, is that she's also the mother of three children um and that she revealed to a Belgian newspaper a few years ago that she dreams of working with the Dardenne brothers. So I hope she gets that. And that leads us quite nicely on to what our wishes would be for Kristen's future on film. So you already gave us a spoiler. What are you hoping for, Michael? Well, actually, the Dardenne brothers, like, she'd be amazing in that. And, like, you know, if anyone's seen the uh, Two Days, Two Nights, uh, One Day, Two Nights, uh, whatever, the how many days and how many nights with yeah. Marin Cotillard trying to get enough signatures from her colleagues to keep her job and keep her sanity. Um, okay, so I'm going basic, basic for me. So anyone that listens will know exactly what director I'm going to bring up. Um, 
Pedro Modvar because I think he I think this would be perfect. But I think we've already had a film version of this Stephen Sondheim musical, but we should had get it again, a little night music. And I think Chris and Scott Thomas as Desiree, so who will sing Send in the Clowns and is kind of the central piece to this ensemble would be delicious. And so oh my god, there's a song like um she you know, I'm you must meet my wife and she gets the name wrong, it's just Caddy and she's 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 absolutely devouring like di- uh, what's dialogue, I guess lyrics in that. Um and I just think she'd be great. Mm, gorgeous. That's a lovely idea then. That's not too basic. I think. And Maggie very, very Smith suggestion. or probably Judy Dench would make more sense, could play the older woman in it, um, who has a song called Liaisons. And then Judy the thing is Judy will win her Oscar and Kristen <laughs> will get nothing. But anyway, that's that's my dream. And I think I honestly think Pedro Modvar could bring something out of it. But also I was Sally Potter is someone I'm absolutely fascinated by. And I don't know if she'd be interested in something like that, but I would also like to see her spin on it. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whichever way, but I'm I'm into the Pedro idea for sure. Um my suggestion, not so specific, but just off the back of how wonderful she was in Fleabag, if Phoebe Waller-Bridge decides to move away from sort of the rewriting of all of these massive blockbuster films and uh, starring in the likes of Indiana Jones and stuff and wants to return to making comedies, I would love to see her do a film and have... Kristen at the heart of it. I mean, I think Phoebe should probably also be in it too. Uh, what a wonderful pairing. They were there, so I would love to see those two together. Maybe we can have the romantic moment we were um, sort of neglected in Fleabag, so th- I would just love to see them work together. I think it would be a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, that would be... And what do you think? Like, what, what, like, a contemporary film in the past? Contemporary. And mm-hmm. I want it to be funny and quite manic as Fleabag often could be, I would like to see Kristen in that mode. I'm thinking of the moment in Fleabag where she smashes the award and then is like scrambling around town trying to find a replacement and comes back with like a piece of junk. But the whole moment is just from beginning to end is just delightful. Uh, Why not have Kristen doing that? Because like you said earlier, we never really get to see sort of the kind of chaotic modes, you know, there's always that sort of hardness or steeliness somewhere and I just want her to see her go go bananas cuckoo and have that sort of fun time so that would be my choice I love that I also imagine you at the moment in Fleabag when they're um Fleabag and the sister turn up at the father's house for the you know the anniversary of the death of the mother and Olivia Combs like sad sad day sad sad day and all this I feel like Kristen Scott Thomas would be really good in that sort of um, environment and we haven't seen her do yeah. essentially a black comedy but a broad one do you know like I so yes I think that yeah. would be fun yeah gosh yeah 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 please come on Phoebe I mean surely they she loved working with her there she probably brought her in so maybe it's not that unlikely a thought that's wishing out there wishing out there wishing out there done okay great anyway that brings us to the end of our celebration of chris and scott thomas and the celebration of our birthday queen michael have you had a delightful time recounting your heroine Kristen? i've had a wonderful time and as always i'm so grateful to you know have all of this with you as well i think it's so wonderful that you know we've done this for so long and i get such joy out of it 
So thank Good. you. Good. Oh, I'm so glad. That's very, very sweet. You're going to make me cry, so I'm going to move us swiftly oh. on. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that we could have done this one for your birthday. So it's a goodie. And should people like to reach out to us, Michael, to maybe suggest one of their yes. heroes of cinema to, for us to cover, mm-hmm. someone we may have not thought about ourselves or maybe just nudge us towards one that's been sat on our list for a while, where may they reach out to contact us? They can get us at don'tknowher underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter or X. And you can email us at don'tknowherpod at gmail.com, I think. And please do rate and review us because, like, you know, I'm sure all of you listening want to do something for my birthday. And now if you're a close friend of mine, I will expect a present. Um, but but if you're not, I, I I I would expect. Sorry, that is a joke. I, but if you are a close friend, you'll also know. That's, I am joking. I would prefer if you just like us or just tell somebody to watch or what listen to us even. Um, please don't watch me. That would be really weird, and I wouldn't appreciate it. Um, unless you're Christmas Scott Thomas, and then you can you can watch me. That's grand. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think there's any. What else do we tell people at this point? We say. Thank you. <laughs> You've been delightful. And we're glad to have had you here again. Oh, and um, from Elizabeth McGovern herself. Oh, yes. Happy birthday, Michael. Oh, my God, I love it. That's kind of like a mixture of I don't know who. That was her like Marilyn Monroe, too. too. Yeah, that was too weird. Uh, I, but I, I love it. Sorry, sorry, Elizabeth didn't do you any yeah. service there. Well, we have to do Elizabeth McGovern at some point. Oscar we nominee. Will. We'll get there, um, and then I'll, I'll work on the impression for that one. Yep, yeah, please do. <laughs> um, all right, until then, thank you so much for this uh, birthday episode, Scott. Thank you, everybody, for spending time with me this birthday. And to Chris and Scott Thomas, keep going. <laughs> keep going, Kristen. Thanks all. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.